0: Welcome to the 5Ps podcast where we discuss productivity, purpose, possibilities, prayer, and pressure. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm so excited you decided to listen to us today. I'm so ecstatic about today's conversation. Today, we're going to be talking with Latasha Randall, the owner of Real Talk Tasha. She's a career and diversity and inclusion coach, as well as a leader in corporate America. I've known Tasha since our days on the Hill at Alabama A&M and had the privilege to get to know her through Zeta Phi Beta Sorority. Listen to learn more about Tasha's journey and also discover ways to overcome hurdles in your career. One announcement before we dive into today's episode. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast on your streaming services so you don't miss out on new episodes. Now let's get into it. Girl, I'm just excited to hear yeah. about Real Talk Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this yes, corporate yes, so, yes. Okay, so we can go ahead and get started. So today, I'm so excited to have Tasha Randall from Real Talk Tasha. I'm going to call her Miss 4.0 Tasha because it's what we call her <laughs> in college. <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here today. Tasha is a career and inclusion coach. And she has her own business so with that tasha tell us who you are and a little bit about your company
1: yeah so tasha randall ceo and founder of real talk tasha which is a career and inclusion consultancy and so there's two um levels of work that i do one on the career consultancy i work with black and brown women and particularly um, to help them get the clarity confidence and action plans they need to level up their career and get heard and get paid in their careers for the expertise that they're bringing. Um, and a lot of it is, is surrounded in making sure they have the right strategies and the right level of confidence to go in and be able to make the level of impact that they want in their career. On the flip side of that, which is also very much interconnected is the inclusion consulting. And that's where I work with corporations to help them learn how to create inclusive environments where people of all backgrounds, including black and brown women can be seen, heard, valued and respected while being able to thrive and bringing their authentic selves to work. And so they they were birthed kind of out of the same mission of there's a lot of things that hinder people of color back from being able to thrive in America while being their authentic selves. And there's a lot of upside for companies on the level of profit and impact they're able to make you know, and deliver their bottom lines when people are able to bring their authentic selves to work and truly bring the diverse, you know, lens of thought, perspectives, personalities, et cetera. And so how can we maximize both of those where individuals can thrive and where companies can also thrive and make the most money possible?
0: Right. I love that, especially thinking about 2020 and everything that occurred. So we had the pandemic to occur. And people were really starting to realize what their purpose was. We had George Floyd. Um, we had the Breonna Taylor cases. So companies really started to take notice to the despairing gaps within the workplace. So could you talk a little bit about what led you to start? So prior to Real Talk, Tasha, what was that defining moment for you?
1: Yes. So it has been a journey. And I will be completely transparent that God has been working on me for this for over a decade so after graduating from Alabama A and where we met, um, it was about maybe about a year and a half, two into my career in marketing, where God had laid on my heart to do coaching, and I had, you know, been doing a lot of it through my, cur- through my church, helping coach, you know, young women to success, and He had laid on my heart that that was a something that He had for me beyond just the you know work that I was doing on the side at church. And I had all these reasons on why I wasn't ready. I'm like, I'm just graduating from undergrad. Like who am I to be able to like really coach somebody? Like I had enough life under my belt, et cetera, et cetera. All these things that were really just boiled down to fear. Mm -hmm. And throughout the years, he would all, he would never let it rest. Like it would always come back up at some point like every couple of years. And I would still like have all these excuses, all these doubts and fears. And um, there were a couple defining moments kind of throughout seem like they may not necessarily connect but they do so just follow with me for a moment so it was in like 2017 ish when um Mike Brown got murdered in St. Louis which is where I'm from Mm -hmm. and there had been already a bunch of black men gunned down by police officers And that one for me, it hit so close to home and I was just tired of hearing the same thing without seeing any results. And so I was struggling and basically grasping for like, well, what can I do to at least make a difference? Like, I'm so tired of seeing this happening. What is within my span of control to make a unique impact? And so that's really when I amped up my efforts on uh, diversity, equity and inclusion efforts within the company that I was working at. And so I started doing a lot of work internally to say, like, hey, well, I may not be able to solve systemic racism for all of America. But what I can do is break down the barriers that people of color face within these corporate walls. Mm -hmm. And so I started a lot of work on that, led an implicit bias training, sat on a few different panels um, and started to be a consultant for, like, even our HR team and our, you know, general manager around what we could do to improve our culture um, as it related to DEI work. Um, Also then, um, fast forward to call it 2019, I started personally having my own struggles around not feeling seen, heard, and valued at the level that I wanted to, and was coming up with a lot of headwinds with microaggressions, et cetera, and was just, quite frankly, just burnt out. Um, And so I ended up taking a sabbatical from work and took three months off to like, just get my head clear. Cause at that point I was like, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. Um, and I was like, well, what am I doing with my life? And at that time, you know, I spent a lot of time during those three months going through devotionals every day, spending time, you know, with my ears to God's mouth. Um, and in one of those devotionals, he took me through the parable of the talents, which I had heard before, but it resonated in a completely different way short synopsis of it is he gives three men different bags of silver one man he gives 10 he goes off and turns it into another 10 like doubles it comes back does good the second guy does the same thing he gets five but he goes off and turns it into five more the one guy he gives one and he buries it because he's so afraid of losing it he comes back and basically just returns the same one bag and god is like well what did you do with the gifts that i gave you Mm -hmm. And when I was reading it this time, I had read it before, but the lens that God gave me on it this time, he actually convicted me and was like, right now you're being that one who's burying what? the gift that I've given you. And I was like, Lord, you didn't snatch my edge. You didn't even have to do me. Like you mine. I'm like, oh, I said, oh, Lord, I ain't never read it like that. Like, I'm over here burying me. Like, you didn't tell me. Like, okay, look, I've been trying to tell you this for over 10 years. You steady burying this gift that I didn't gave you and giving me all the excuses. Like, And so at that time, I was like, okay, I do want to be the one that's coming back, doubling what he's given me and being fruitful with the gifts to where at the end of my life, I can go and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So at that time, he also then prepared for me. He's like, what you're going through right now, where you're burnt out, feeling overworked, unheard, and struggling to find fulfillment in your career. He's like, I'm not having you go through this just for you. I'm having you go through it so that you can teach other women the lessons that I am taking you through because I do not want any of my children to live a life unfulfilled and live a life where they are not happy. And what I want for my kids is to live a life of abundance, a life of more than a life of fruitfulness where people are pleased and you do have everlasting joy. And so I was like, okay, let me go ahead and stop being disobedient and actually put into practice these things. And so throughout that time, I got really clear about My talents, my um, passions, my purpose, and my values, and was intentional about shaping what um, not only my corporate career looks like, but then also my business that birthed out of that Real Talk Tasha and how I wanted to serve others and who I wanted to serve in that work.
0: Wow. Listen, let me tell you, first and foremost, that (laughs) parable there... (laughs) That's a, such a timely reminder. I just finished having a conversation with somebody today. So you coming and using that same parable, girl, you just gathered me together before we-, <laughs> and before
1: we and I, believe, I believe God, is, he does everything intentionally. So the fact that you've heard it for the second time is he's, he's hitting you over the head with it. He wants yes. you to know something.
0: Right, I need to use what I have and not be afraid to do it. And you hit on something else, fear. So I want to dissect everything you just said, but I want to dive into the fear component because a lot of us, whether it be corporate America or starting our own business, a lot of times we let fear of the unknown stop it might be the fear of what our managers may say if we actually show up and say hey i think i'm worthy and capable of this position it may be fear of launching a business because we don't know how our friends and family members may perceive that business or fear of if i leave you know this comfort zone of corporate america Mm -hmm. to launch this business like what might happen Um, all, it, it's like what if that none of those things were fear what if none of that happens or what if it does i feel like god always makes provision for us to succeed okay. when we pursue purpose right so you said you were you spent time with god you were able to start to overcome that fear was there anything else you did that helped move you beyond th- those moments and those thoughts of fear
1: so Really, I just leaned into it. So I still have my moments where I'm fearful. And I firmly believe that that level of fear and also imposter syndrome that kicks in is something that will likely exist at some level at all points. Like there's CEOs and famous people who have openly talked about how they still deal with like imposter syndrome and those fears and doubts that come into their minds. I think the thing that really makes a difference is learning how to manage through and control it. And so for me, a couple of things that came into play was one, which is one of my uh, business models of real talk, Tasha, is do it scare. Mm. What I said is like, hey, I've been letting fear hold me back for over 10 years of doing this. He's clearly told me, look, I, I need you to go ahead and get into action because there's some people that I need to help serve and I want to serve them through you. And so- I, I literally leaned into the do a scare. Like, hey, I still have these fears, but I'm gonna lean into it and do it anyway. Because the faith, my faith that, hey, if God has called me to it, he's gonna set me up for success to be able to bless it. And so anything that I need, he will make a way for it to happen. And so that level of faith that I brought in too also helped me move forward in the face of fear because I'm like, okay, well, I know that he is going to provide for me as long as I'm walking in his will. And then the other thing was being super intentional because the more intentional and structured I was about my steps and the more that I broke them down. So one of the things I work with on clients is breaking down goals into bite-sized pieces. Because one of the things that can become such a big fear and hindrance and cause people to get stuck and stagnant and not move forward is that the goal seems so big and robust that they're like, I don't know where to start. And it seems so huge that, I just end up like getting analysis paralysis on where to start, what to do, what should my first move be that I do nothing at all. And that's one of the worst things that you can do. And so I worked, you know, my personal journey and I also worked with clients to help break that down into bite-sized goals. Like how can you make it more tangible? And so I broke my big vision down into a more tangible goal that was like, okay, I can do that this week or I can do that today. And it is moving me towards this larger goal and helps break down fear because fear is really just the fact that there are so many unknowns. The more that you can break the goal down into smaller pieces, the level of unknown becomes less. And once you execute on those smaller pieces, you gain more knowledge and understanding to where there is less that then becomes unknown. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes easier each step of the way to take that step
0: forward. Right, I like that micro goals. Um, yes, I like to even another one is power hours. I don't know if you've ever tried that as well. So it's like whatever you're afraid of or whatever seems to be daunting, you put a timer on and for sixty minutes. You solely focus on that particular thing and tearing it down. Uh
1: I haven't actually done that before, but I have heard of something similar to that. Yeah, but yeah, that works too. Just being intentional about. The timing that you're putting towards something and breaking it down in whatever format is going to help you become more comfortable with it
0: right right i like that that's that's good that's really great advice and you talk about structure as well and before you were talking about the microaggressions in the workplace right so you've always been successful to me in my mind. When I think back to college, you would talk about budgeting, like no one, everyone was, <laughs> no one was out here talking about what they're going to do with their refund check. Y'all, Tasha was always on her P's and Q's from class, sorority, whatever it was, Tasha had it together. Um, so I can imagine moving into the workspace and people not recognizing the value you bring, the level of knowledge you may have brought, even though you were earlier in your career. And then as you began to move up, how how have you been able to overcome that? Like what 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 advice would you give to that new newbie or mid career person that's trying to? handle these microaggressions or somebody that's even seasoned in their career because I don't feel like you ever escaped that like what should they do to overcome that
1: yeah so one of the things I'd say is be real and honest with yourself on how much of it is internal versus external and Mm. what I mean by that is in my latest experience where I um had this moment well, I had got into a space where I felt like corporate America had stole my voice. Mm-hmm. And I, as I got really real with myself and talked myself through what I was truly dealing with and was like 100% honest with myself, I had to go back and retract those words and said, I gave up my voice. Mm. they didn't steal anything from me I gave it up I let myself get to a point of feeling defeated because I felt like hey well when I was sharing my authentic voice and showing up in a way um, that was authentic to me I felt like oh well when I would get the you know feedback air quotes that was more about my style than actually The value that I brought, I let that cause so much doubt in my head that then I stopped bringing it. So I I gave up my voice at that point. And so I had to be, I had to own what I was responsible for in the situation to be able to then correct it and say, hey, in light, in, in spite of these microaggressions, I'm not going to let that stop me from bringing my value in the way that is most authentic to me. Like I refuse to conform and to Mm -hmm. let myself be um, my personality and who I am be consumed or taken away from me when I walk through the doors of these, you know, this corporate building. And so I had to own that piece from the external point on the things that are out of my span of control from the microaggressions that came what I'd say and the advice that I'd give for individuals is to don't be afraid to call it out. Like I have scheduled meetings with people where it was like, no, we need to have a heart to heart. Like, I want to talk about, you know, these specific instances and talk about how we can better work together. Like, and I, you know, just didn't let it ride because oftentimes we are good for kind of just like, I'm gonna just let it roll off my back. You know, I ain't got energy today. Sometimes you need to have the energy to fight your battle. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. yeah, you ain't got to fight every battle because, you know, you might be completely exhausted and burnt out, but don't let everything just slide off your back. Like have those conversations. And that's also one of the reasons that I got so involved in the DEI work within my company because I was like, okay, well, look, I see a problem. Rather than just sit here and be upset about it, let me work on how I can solve it. And so I started speaking up and basically then became a person that everybody signed out on. Hey, well, hey, we have these DEI things that we want to work on. Let's get Tasha's advice. Let's go consult her because we know she has an opinion on this that has been very valuable in developing the culture and helping us tackle some of these issues. And Because one of the things for me was when I first graduated from undergrad, I went to a corporate company, big popular name. And, you know, it was good in the beginning. I had the microaggressions I had a piece of not feeling seen heard or valued and wasn't fulfilled and ended up saying like hey I'm gonna go back and get my MBA because they were trying to force me to do something that I didn't want to do I didn't know what I wanted instead but I knew I didn't want to do that and so I was like I'm fed up here I'm gonna leave I don't know what what I want to go do next but I'm just gonna get my MBA because it's gonna give me some time to think about what I really want to do while I'm still looking like I got my life together, because at least I'm getting a degree, and I'm come out making more money, so I did that. But then went to another company afterwards, Fortune 50 company, um, come out making more money, things are good, you know, got the good job, all that good stuff. And about two years in, started feeling the same way that I did at the company before, and I had to mm-hmm. ask myself like. I'm back in this thing, too familiar. I'm back in the right exact same place. I'm making more, like, more than twice than what I was making. The company is like one that everybody look up to, but I'm still feeling that same way. Now I have to be honest with myself on, well, what is it really? Because really I didn't just bounce from company to company without addressing the root cause. Mm. And so, yeah, I could leave here and go somewhere else, but I'm probably gonna come back right to this same place. So let me figure out how I resolve that tension rather than just job hopping. And the things that helped me resolve that is one, being honest with myself about my role in the situation. right? And then being willing to call things out like, hey, instead of just hopping from company to company where I know, hey, I'm probably gonna face some of these same headwinds because let's be frank, systemic racism, microaggressions against black people are rampant across all of America. There is no company you can go to unless you start your own where you're not (laughs) going to have that at some level. And so I said, well, how can I play a unique role in addressing this where I am today? One of those things is calling people out on it and putting forth some recommendations on, hey, here's what we need to be doing instead.
0: You just hit on something that I don't think a lot of people are able to recognize. And I'm thinking back to conversations I've had with friends and even colleagues recently. And it's really doing the work on yourself versus just moving from position to position because you do end up back in that same, place of discontentment um, over time because, you know, I don't care how great a company can say their culture is. Once you start to really pull back the curtain, you'll start to find things that's like, oh, this is not good. This is not right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes time to change that. Uh, I like how you were also proactive in those situations. You said, okay, I recognize that this isn't good. We, we need to do something about that would you say that when you have stepped up and you've done that has that been well received
1: yes so for the most part i'd say yes um i have had leaders who had their ears open and were like what can we do um and so they it was very much well received i have run across a few people here and there that it didn't it seemed like it went in one ear and not the other like, it's not like they have issue with it, but in terms of it actually resulting in change, like transparently, I don't know that it really got through the, to them, but more than not, it has been real received into a point to where it has made a difference. And so like, I will say even now in my corporate role, I get equally acknowledged for the work that I do in DEI, even though this, that is not my corporate title. I am a marketing brand director <laughs> as my corporate title. And I get equal, if not sometimes more credibility on the DEI work I do. And like have HR directors coming to consult me on what we should do in terms of DEI work as kind of like the same level of weight that I get for the marketing credibility of the work that I do.
0: Listen, that's one of those things where your gifts will make room for you, your gifts yeah. and your talents. Yeah. So, yes. so <laughs> what would you say to the person who's looking to one identify what their gift is looking to identify what their purpose is what steps should they take to get to that point so they can do the work that truly matters
1: yeah so it is a process I would suggest if you're gonna go at it alone make sure you are intentional about carving out the time like like I said for me to really get clear on it I had the blessing and privilege to be able to take three months off work And I spent that three months getting really clear about that. And that's what I focused on doing that three months. I know not everybody has the privilege to be able to do that, but be intentional about carving out time and be intentional about being honest with yourself and asking yourself the right questions to get to the root of those answers around, well, what are your gifts? Like you have to do some self-discovery work to get there and being clear about like purpose, I know a lot of people um, struggle with because it seems like oh so big and larger than life that people are like well, I don't know what my purpose is. The way that I simplify it for my clients is be really clear about what is a problem that you have on your heart as a passion or desire to go solve, and who do you want to solve that for? Because I firmly believe God has placed a desire in all of our hearts, and mm-hmm. it's not just by happenstance; it's because it's linked to the purpose that He has called us to. So if you can do some deep searching to get clear about like what is that problem that you see in the world that you want to uniquely solve and who do you want to solve it for, that can really help shape your purpose. So that's an example of like how to break it down. Um, but there's a process that I also take my clients through. So, hey, like one of the things that another option is to get you a coach that you can work <laughs> with to help you through those things. Because. Times, <laughs> right. Exactly. The shameless plug there, because. Oftentimes too, we can get in our own heads and start to overthink to where we think ourselves in circles and we aren't honest with ourselves all the time. And so what an outside party can help you do is really get to the root of what you might be trying to skirt around because the fear gets in. So I've worked with clients where it's like, hey, they'll say that there's this one thing that they want to do. And as I have them fill out some of the forms and it helps, you know, Them process through some of these thoughts, and I'm asking them questions on it. What I really find is there's an underlying other thing that is really where their heart desires, but they're too afraid to put that as what they truly want because they have all these doubts and fears on how they're not ready for that yet. So, what they anchor as their purpose and their gifts is the part that's within their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. and they don't push themselves to go bigger than what's in that comfort zone. And so that's a watch out that I would give um, is to make sure that you are truly being honest with yourself and aren't just answering the questions within your level of comfort, which is why having a coach or somebody external be able to help you through that makes a big difference on you really being able to get clear and get honest with
0: yourself. Wow, listen, and you also hit back on that fear too. So clear, (laughs) being honest. And then um, being honest also gets down to getting over the fear, which you talked about before. Mm -hmm. Because my my next question to you is going to be, what's one of the biggest pitfalls you see people making in their career? I don't know if you would say that it's like not being honest with themselves and allowing fear to overcome. Is there anything else that you, you see often occurring?
1: Not being intentional.
0: So Mm -hmm. the playbook that
1: society gives for success is, go to school, get good grades, graduate, land a good corporate job, and work and pay your bills. So a lot of people get through that process and they have all of that. Everything looks good on paper and from the outside, but then they're not fulfilled. And they're Mm -hmm. waking up every day like, what am I doing with my life? And they basically just looking forward to retiring or looking forward to every Friday. They're like, I mean, I can't wait for the weekend. I spend a weekend just trying to recover to make it through the next week, and then that's the cycle that they kind of put themselves on this hamster wheel of that cycle until retirement, and they're living a life of discontentment. And it, mm-hmm. oftentimes, then there's the interchanging pieces that happen throughout that where then they're uh, company hopping or job hopping because it's like, okay, well, I'm not happy with that, and then it's like, okay, I'm gonna hop to this other one. And then maybe the first one or two years, cool. Then they get discontent again and they go to the next and just continue hopping, but never find contentment or fulfillment in any of those roles. And so that's one of the biggest ones. And the reason that it often ends up being that way is because they're not intentional about what do they really want, mm-hmm. why do they want it, and how do they set their career moves up to enable it. So maybe, you know, it's not something that is tangible within your immediate next role but how once you're really clear on your big vision how do you set up each career move that you make to help you make progress toward that larger vision and that makes a difference like I just had one client who had just shared uh, with me the other day through text a win on a new job offer that she accepted that's a promotion um and she was so excited about it she was like One, thank you for the clarity that you helped me get around the value that I bring because it's made a difference in how I've shown up and worked. Like even, you know, the feedback she was getting before from her manager um, was clearly not highlighting the value that she brought after we worked together. Her manager was like, I don't know what you've done, but something's different. Like, keep doing it. Like she noticed a change in how she showed up because she was really clear on her value. And then now she's now got this promotion at this new company that she's moving to that is helping line her up for her long-term goal and she's like I so appreciate that because now I'm making my moves with the intentionality Like I'm not just moving from company to company like not knowing what I'm looking for like no I've chosen this and accept this specific role because it's getting me the experience and the skill set and the allow me to do the things that I want that are going to help me help set me up for that long long-term goal that I have. So then, she's yes. also more fulfilled in it because she sees the why behind. Well, why am I even in this world? Why am I doing this? Because she she already sees the long term pains.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. A lot of us face so much stress and anxiety because we don't do that very thing. You know, mm-hmm. you you're not intentional, so you just take the position because the title is good and the money is money good. Is That's good. right. That's all we need to know, like how much you're going to pay me and what is my title title going to be? And once they have that, it's like, oh, it can't be that bad, right? And you get there and you're unfulfilled and it's a vicious cycle, like you you Mm -hmm. put it. And a lot of times, especially if we don't have a good group of people around us to say, hey, you need to check it or if you don't have a mentor or Mm -hmm. something, so... What would you say the role of mentorship has played for you in your journey as well?
1: Oh, mentorship has been valuable. Like mentor is one I, I found out about the program that I used to go get my MBA called the Consortium for um, Graduates who Study Management. Um, And that allowed me to get a full scholarship to through my MBA program mentorship is how I've learned to navigate within the corporate spaces and to be able to learn some of the right skills and strategies to make sure I'm getting the right level of feedback to make sure that I am getting the experience that I need to get coaching and be a sounding board when I, you know, hey, I need, you know, some advice on this, here's what I'm thinking, what do you think? mentorship has also been instrumental in my entrepreneurship journey. Like I've had mentors who have um, helped set me up with networks, which have now created you know, streams of income um, that I had no idea even existed. Um, mentorship is I highly, highly encourage to get you a mentor. <laughs> um, I can't speak highly enough about it. If nothing else, it also just helps you um, from a mental standpoint be able to check in with somebody who can give you a different point of view and help you get over Mm. and past some of the negative self-talk that we tend to have.
0: Mm. And also can show
1: you possibilities too. Like, so I have some mentors who like, literally just by operating at the level that they do, it motivates me because I'm like, oh, it shows me an example of what's possible.
0: Mm. That's good. That's really good. and as you were talking, I started to think about just childhood and being able to see examples. So now I'm curious to know about, you know, young Tasha and those pivotal moments that led you to be 4.0, Tasha, yeah. <laughs> to Miss Corporate America, Tasha, to Miss Entrepreneur, Tasha. Like, what was childhood like and what shaped you?
1: Yes, yeah, so I grew up and, uh, single parent household raised by my mom who was a phenomenal woman um my brother and I we I didn't know it until I got older but we was technically in poverty level but my mom was like such an amazing woman who could stretch a dollar like I had no idea cuz we never wanted for anything um, and we never went without food on the table clothes on our back like she provided above and beyond and I'm like I don't know how she did like this woman was making miracles happen her and God was pulling off some stuff and my mom is also one who is very determined like once she sets her mind to something she is going to get it done she's the type who like you can't tell her what she can't do because she's gonna be like no i'm gonna show you what i can do she the type who will like go get under the hood of a car and be like i can figure this, i'm gonna figure this out like i don't know what's going on but i'm gonna I'm somehow figure this out type of woman and so that instilled a lot in me in terms of my level of determination and go-getter attitude, 100% got that from my mom. And at some point along the way, even though I didn't know we were technically like in poverty based on income terms, at some point I I realized, hey, if I don't get a full scholarship, I don't know that I'm going to college. Like I knew we didn't have the money to pay for college. And so it, it was like in middle school, I kind of got in my mind I need to get straight A's from here on out because I need a full scholarship. So that kind of spurred the 4.0 Tasha where it was like, hey, now I need to make sure I'm getting good grades because my goal is to get a full scholarship. So that was a very pivotal moment for me. The other piece too is I vividly remember, I think I was probably in about eighth grade. I went to my uncle's church just to go visit. And um, it was like some special service they had and the preacher who I had never met before called me up front as he was doing like prophecies and prophesized over me and was like I don't know what it is but the God has a calling on this young girl's life like he has something that he is going to use you for and talked about like all the greatness that I was going to come into and all the blessings God has for me and I've just continued to see they play out like God has had poured so much favor over my life through everything But I vividly remember, I can't even remember what I was wearing that day um, when he prophesied over my life. So that was another pivotal moment. Um, And attending the HBCU because even though we grew up with little, my mom knew the importance of education. So, another pivotal moment in choice that she made, she made a lot of sacrifices to move us out to a predominantly, basically, like all white neighborhood because she wanted us to be in a good school district because the one that we were in at the time did not have good ratings. And so, you know, she was working, you know, two jobs constantly, but we lived in this good neighborhood, but we were like one of two black families. And so Mm -hmm. I also grew up, you know, being one of the only in most of my classes, et cetera, not being around people who look like me. And so Mm -hmm. I struggled in the beginning of finding my authentic voice and who I was because I wasn't around people that looked like me. And then like when we had, you know, other black kids that would be bussed out through the desegregation program to our schools, I wasn't black enough for them. Like, oh, I talked white, I sounded white Mm -hmm. and all these things. So I struggled on like where I fit in. And so, being often the only one, I was so ready to be in a space where I wasn't the only one that looked like me, which is why I wanted to go to HBCU. And so AM was also a pivotal moment because it was like where I felt like I could truly just let all my guards down and just be all of who I was without having to question where I fit in. Um, and so I loved that experience as well through some of the professors that I had there who also put a certain level of drive and standard of excellence within me um has made a difference in how i show up as an adult now in both corporate and also in my business as well like in the desire to want to give back and help uplift as i you know rise on my own
0: wow that's good shout out to your mom shout out to parents out here that that are able to see it they make it happen
1: my mom is the best that woman is amazing
0: Listen. Amazing. Shout out to Mom, uh, Mama Woods. Like this like, yes. <laughs> like um, I that's that's so interesting. So you talk about um I'm assuming prior to moving to the new neighborhood, you were in a predominantly black neighborhood, mm-hmm. then going into a predominantly white space, then back to a HBCU shout out to Alabama AM. Yes. Uh, you know, print you know, a historical Black college and then going back into the corporate world. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly, Quickly. and with the level of success that you've been able to see, especially early on, I'm sure you were the only, the token in a lot of conversations. So you have that weight of having to make sure you are the best. Yeah. In every single scenario, could you talk a little bit about being the only in the professional space? So if we do have anyone that may not be Black or brown, mm-hmm. um, to, to just explain what it feels like to be in those spaces and the things you need to be cognizant of yeah. when you're there. Yeah. yeah,
1: It is lonely and exhausting are the two words that I would give overarchingly. So lonely in the sense of feeling like nobody really gets you. Um, Even just down to like the little small talk conversations about, you know, the things that you did on the weekend, type of music you listening to, shows you watching, et cetera. And it's like, hey, everybody having a little chit chat or everybody jumping in. I'm like, I ain't never heard of that. I don't know nothing about, like none of that is relevant. And then, oh, let me throw my little topic in there. And everybody looking like, what? Well, what's that? And it's like, oh, okay. Um, And it's exhausting in the sense of it's a constant thought for those who aren't necessarily always bringing their authentic selves to work, which is one of the things like I started with and struggle with is it was a constant thought of always filtering myself. So there was a certain level of mental capacity I was using on a daily to think through how am I going to phrase these this particular statement that I want to say? Um, what terminology am I going to use? How is it going to land for the other individual? And that mental capacity—if you—I equate it to um, someone coming in who English is not their first language.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and this is also why I empathize with people who don't speak English as a first language. You know and corporate spaces where English is the predominant one because I can't even like I know they're mentally exhausted by the time they get home at the end of the day like constantly having to think through oh how do I say what's that word in English how do I say that how do I make sure that it is it translates correctly because sometimes like how you may say it in one language don't translate 100% accurately how you want it to and so that's that's literally How it is similar for a lot of black and brown folks is like you're putting that same level of thought into the choices of the words that you say, et cetera. Um, And that is so mentally exhausting. Like, I know when I've gone to foreign countries and had to struggle through trying to choose my words, like at the end of the day, I'd be like mentally worn out. Mm -hmm. And so, for those who aren't, you know, someone of color or, you know, diverse background in the corporate space, recognize that the people of color there's a level of mental exhaustion that they're dealing with you know on a day-to-day and that that feeling that need to filter who they are and put this mask on every day
0: Cult switching is one of the hardest things listen (laughs) i always joke and say you know i'm from south alabama so (laughs) you know my my big southern accent and then, you know, Eddie goes to how you said having to figure out how, what is the best way to say this? Like, how should I say this so that it's not offensive, so that it's grammatically correct? Right. So, it's like, all of those things, it's, it's a lot. And then, just on top of that, trying to just make sure, in addition to just making sure you're saying the right thing and using the mental um, stamina in that area, also being able to have forethought to think about strategy like Mm -hmm. it's a lot like some days I some days I come when I finish working I don't have the ability to to talk about anything else like I have to keep it simple I've started uh (laughs) watching Wheel of Fortune like I keep it real (laughs) simple I I don't have any extra energy for anything else that would would become mentally taxing right
1: yeah
0: so we have that but then you also have the entrepreneurship side of it, right? So you have to still keep going. So what has that journey been like for you to have corporate America that takes up so much of you and still have your side business that you're growing and um, leading?
1: Well, one of the big things for me was to stop code switching and stop spending that mental capacity there. So as part of my journey, During that time when I was on my sabbatical, one of the things I committed to when I went back was being all of myself at work. Mm. So they get Tasha. So my name on my birth certificate is LaTasha. All my friends have always called me Tasha. But in all my corporate and professional spaces, I would always go by LaTasha. So quick story Mm -hmm. is, you know, everybody called me LaTasha. There was a guy at work who was also a Black guy friend outside of work who one day had called me Tasha. And well, he was like, hey, Tasha. And like, literally I froze up and kind of startled and t- like, who knows, like, it was like, a, who knows me here? But, like my bodily reaction was like, just caught off guard because I'm like, it, I'm, in, I'm in my, got my mask on of little Tasha, you know, at work. And then he, somebody yells out, hey, Tasha. And I'm like, whoa, what, hold on. It like shook me up. like, who, Like, who knows me here? And I had to check myself and be like, Dang, why did I have that type of physical reaction and response by somebody calling me Tasha at work? And I had this is one of the moments where you had to be really honest with yourself. I had to dig deep and be like, that's kind of jacked up that literally, like, because it's not like people don't call me Tasha. Like people outside of work call me Tasha. Why did I have such a startled response? And that for me was a moment where I realized, sis, this mask is too heavy that you're wearing at work every day. Wow. It's too heavy. And so from that moment on, I went in and I changed all my stuff in the corporate system to Tasha. I told everybody start calling me Tasha because that was the moment where I said, hey, if I feel that jolted out of who I am in this workplace, when somebody calls me Tasha, I need something to signal to me, sis, take that mask off. So one, I had everybody start calling me Tasha. And then I was intentional about saying, no, I'm not going to filter myself anymore I'm bringing all of who I am to to work, and that's also mm. why my company name is Choicefully Real Talk Tasha, not the Hey Conformist Code Switching Tasha, or Love Tasha mm. I'd say, but no, it's like no, we're gonna have real talk, and that's I'm not going to spend that time and energy because there's so much more I could be doing with it. Because now mm. that I am not doing that, I do still have energy at the end of the day when I get off work to go mm. invest in my entrepreneurship journey, and I'm not completely burnt out because I haven't given all my energy to the fact of code switching throughout the day. Mm. And I've decided, hey, this is who I am. As long as I'm delivering results, that's all, that's all that matters. So like I'm in meetings and I'm presenting sales strategies and I'm like, look, we need to use Sierra Level Up. Like this is the this is song we, I, I'm coming in with and I'm gonna <laughs> take the time to break it down for you. <laughs> like, oh, what does level up mean? Let's talk about that. Like, oh, I'm gonna use the phrases that I use, you know, with friends and family. And I will take the time to educate you on it if need be. So that's one thing I'd say that has helped me to have energy afterward. The other thing too is just being intentional again about the time that I carve out. So one big piece of advice that I would give those who are trying to balance working a nine to five while also doing entrepreneurship is, make sure that you carve out time to work on non-goal oriented tasks. Because honey, I'll be honest with you. I went through a level, uh, a a period where I was dealing with anxiety when I started my business and I didn't, had never had anxiety before. And I started seeing a therapist because I was like, I I don't know what to do with this. And one of the things that helped me uncover was literally all my time, like pretty much all my waking hours, I was working on some goal-oriented task, whether that was for my corporate job or for my entrepreneurship journey. And it was literally pretty much all day every day until I went to sleep. I had some goal-oriented tasks where my brain was just firing on, 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 on. And so I had to be intentional about carving out time to just be like, hey, here's the time when I'm full-on for corporate. Here's the time when I'm full-on for entrepreneurship. And here's the time where it's just whatever I feel like, whatever Tasha feel like doing. There's no goal. There's no bar standard set for what success looks like. It's just time to just be, to do whatever I feel like doing in the moment. And if that's just sitting on the couch watching TV, that's fine. If that's going out to go enjoy some nice weather, whatever it might be, that's non-goal oriented task. And so then I got really intentional about, hey, here are the hours that I am going to work on my business. And then making sure that within that time, I was productive as possible. So I'd like do planning at the, you know, every week on here are the things that I'm going to work on on these days within this two hour, three hour time frame, whatever that may be. That way I already go in knowing rather than, you know, go to sit down at the computer and be like, okay, well, what I'm going to work on and spend 30 minutes kind of, oh, well, I could do this and I could do that. And then been wasted 30 minutes an hour. No, i already have my list on. Here are the things that I'm doing that day. Now, granted, I allow myself to be flexible, but I already have that intentionality. The last thing that I did um, that was super helpful is hired help. So I have an exec- executive sis- assistant in my business. Okay. I realized I don't have to do everything. So there are certain things that I need to show up for and do for real talk, Tasha, but that ain't everything. There's other people that I can pay to do some of the backend stuff that I don't need to do to where my business can still run and still be productive without me necessarily committing all the hours.
0: That's some great advice to business owners. I think sometimes you become so possessive. You wanna see it succeed and you don't bring people in and allow them to live out their purpose yes. and allow them to use out their talents. Tasha, you dropped so many d- dives today. I'm <laughs> looking at Todd. I'm like, I just want to keep talking. Oh my but gosh. No, you like- got to think
1: about corporate. They ain't running, doing everything. It ain't just one person. You think about corporate. The reason that people can take paid time off and step away from a job is because they have so many people who are playing a unique role. You never, you don't want to go. And I have my own co- also coach too for my business. So my business coach has taught me. She was the one who helped, helped me get there. I'm like, yeah, I probably do need to hire somebody. But she was like, you don't want to burn yourself out. Mm. Like, she was like, don't create an entrepreneurship journey. This is going to burn you out. Right. Like, there is no point. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Like, yep. A lot of people end up leaving corporate America because they tired and burnt out to just go create a company of their own where they're tired and burnt out. Right. Because they're yep. to do everything by themselves. Yep. And it's like, there's no point in that.
0: That's good. That's good. I'm hearing you. <laughs> but I think what I struggle with, I'll be transparent with you guys. I, even in corporate America, right? Even when I know I had people to do things, I wouldn't say that I've micromanaged the work of others, but I micromanaged the work of others. <laughs> so even when it comes to like my my side businesses, I micromanage the work of others. And what what ends up happening is I'm usually tired. When I, like a running joke, if you've seen any of the lives I've done is that I don't sleep. Like hashtag, I don't sleep. My kids don't sleep. I don't sleep. I'm usually on caffeinated water um, trying to get through the day. But that's something this week, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna apply it. I'm gonna allow other people to do what they need to do so I can focus on the things that I need to do and more importantly, the things I enjoy doing because again, it goes back to purpose. Yes. Um, you hit on something else, but it, and I'm you talked about receiving the prophecy, you talked about spending time with God and getting direction before launching and like really just moving into that space. I'm wondering, now that you've started, you've launched, you're walking in this, what scripture or what do you go back to? to keep you moving forward with the same level of energy you had when you started?
1: Affirmations. So I say affirmations every day. Um, I have some sitting on my wall in front of me that I can see in my office um, that a friend so kindly printed up for me as a gift because I've shared them with her. And she loved them so much she printed them for herself and then also printed me a copy to put on my wall. But two of the main ones that I say every day um are one is i deserve my desires abundance is my birthright and i repeat that over and over because what that tells me is oftentimes my fear gets in the way of like who am i to think that i can have x y and z god didn't put the desires on my heart for any reason and god Mm -hmm. has said in scripture that he will grant you the desires of your heart so Mm -hmm. i have to remind myself I deserve my desires. Also, I'm the daughter of a king. Uh huh. Uh huh. Preach it. So, <laughs> abundance is my birthright. God mm-hmm. has taught us to live a life of abundance. Right. And Jesus down here to die on a cross for us to live a life of mediocrity. So Listen, I say that over and over again. <laughs> the other one that I say is I have the courage, creativity, and wisdom to make my dreams a reality. I have the courage, wow. creativity, and wisdom to make my dreams a reality. Like, hey, I courage is moving forward in the face of fear. I can do that. I have the creativity. God has given me everything that I need. I just have to double down and get to work on it. And I have the wisdom. I may not know all the answers, but I am capable of learning it. And so those are the, the two uh, affirmations that I say on a daily. And I have been joking uh, with my husband because you know, right now I'm expecting, and I was like, baby boy gonna come out and he gonna know them affirmations. I was like, I'm probably gonna be able to say them and he gonna be able to get right to sleep. Cause he's like, I've been hearing these for the last nine months, ma. I'm ready. (laughs) We're getting nursery rhymes. (laughs) Right, he's coming out with affirmations and I already got the affirmations ready to put on his wall. He ready.
0: Listen, he's already a blessed baby to have. 4.0 Tasha, real talk Tasha. (laughs) You embody all things success, beauty um just passion and i'm not just saying this like just to say it like since i've known you you've really walked boldly you've been that person that when you come into the room people take notice because you walk with such integrity where you're trying to do what's right you bring professionalism you've been about your business so I can hardly wait to see what else is next for Real Talk Tasha, <laughs> Business World Tasha, <laughs> Mommy Tasha, all the things like you, you, um, there are great things in store. So I'm excited about it. So I can see it, but tell the people what you have coming up and also how they can connect with you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so connect with me on Instagram. At Real Talk Tasha, sounds spelled just like it sounds, R E A L T A L K T A S H A, Real Talk Tasha on Instagram. If you're on Facebook and prefer Facebook, you can follow me at Miss, spelled M S, Real Talk Tasha on Facebook. Those are the two best ways to stay up to date with me and what I have going on. As I said, I'm currently expecting with Baby Boy due in August. And so right now, from the um, career coaching side, I'm doing you know kind of just one off, one hour clarity coaching sessions with individuals to help. But my group pro- coaching program right now is on hold because I don't want to start it and then be like <laughs> out on maternity, like oh hey, baby's here, etc. Um, and I'm being intentional about spending time getting ready before the baby comes. But if you follow me on at Instagram or on Facebook, that's the best way to stay up to date on those. And then I still am doing inclusion um, consulting for companies. And so that's the main thing that I'm doing right now because those are usually one day sessions or half day sessions. Um, And so I am available for contracting on those and you can reach out to me on those social media platforms or you can email me directly at Tasha at realtalktasha.com.
0: Guys, make sure you go and follow Tasha. If you're in the corporate setting, send her information over to your HR departments or your your managers to get her in. Definitely schedule time for a coaching session. So those one-hour clarity sessions, those can really change the trajectory of your career. We all are looking to know, glow, and grow together. So make sure you do what you need to do to continue to grow um, so you can glow up. We all have purpose. We all have great things in store. Sometimes we just need help realizing what that is. So, and Tasha's the person. I'm going to gas her up because I truly mean it. It's all, <laughs> go check her credentials. She she is that person. So, Tasha, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today, learning from you. You've snatched my edges. So, tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to show up. It's Jesse at work. they are going to be like, hold on. Who is this? <laughs>
1: Seriously, I'm telling i'm telling you if y'all don't do nothing else after this podcast whatever everybody call you outside of work start having them to call you that inside of work that small change i'm telling you is gonna make a difference in how you show up
0: listen we gotta talk about that because you know, not like people getting too comfortable with me like y'all yeah, know me but you don't know me <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I know. Uh, I think that's some really great advice. Like we really have to, if we want things to change, we have to do what we can do. And you said it best. We can only control what's internal. So how my we present is, ourselves.
1: My, exactly. My mission is to normalize blackness in the workplace.
0: Yes, yes. Look, and we have a journey. So everyone do your part <laughs> tomorrow. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, do your part to show up, be your authentic self again tasha it's been such a pleasure we have to do this again after baby boy gets here so we can talk about mama i'm see that's that countryside just came out on the podcast that's the person that they don't get at uh work because i was gonna say we got to talk about mommypreneurship <laughs> but i said mamapreneurship you guys but I, I would love to see you know as you move into that next phase like just navigating that and the the advice you would share with people as well so be on the lookout for that conversation if Tasha is open to it look she has a platform to speak to the people
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it's been great being on today so thank you for having me
0: my pleasure all righty bye guys I hope you enjoyed today's episode and guess what y'all there is more We continue the conversation, so there's a part two episode that you can check out where we continue talking about the importance of obedience to God and really just going after your goals and being unapologetic. It was good. And okay, if you're new here, we close out with what we call church announcement. So y'all know I grew up in the good old black church. Where church announcements were thing. So this is where you get your rundown of what's coming up, what you need to know, and what you need to prepare for. So hear ye, hear ye. Let's gar- govern ourselves accordingly. You know, I always have to remind you to go out and grab a no failure, I will win journal from Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and my website, UniteTreats.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. So you can find us with the at symbol five PS podcast. So that's five P's podcast by the number five PS podcast. Also, if you're looking to connect with other um, career professionals or entrepreneurs, join our community on LinkedIn. So we have a private group that's called Promising Presence. Join the group and you'll be able to just connect and ask questions or share advice as well. Oh, and one other thing. Go out to my personal website. It's JessicaHicksonWalker.com and sign up to um, receive emails and newsletters about all of the happenings that I have going on. So podcast or otherwise. And lastly, If you really enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate us, like us, and share this episode with a friend. Help us connect with others who are looking to grow, glow, and know. You guys already know. Or as my mama would say, connect with those who are looking to go higher in the Lord. (laughs) All right, y'all. That's it for real. Bye.